If you're new to our church, I'm Ricky Powell. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Carolina, and we are so glad that you are with us. And I'd like to take a real informal survey. Um, if you're in the room, show by show of hands, how many of you like... Uh, you like waffles. Anybody here like waffles? Yeah, almost everybody. Who doesn't like waffles? Uh, now, going to a different uh, uh, place, how many of you like spaghetti? Anybody like spaghetti? Yeah. Have I made you hungry yet, anybody? But have I made you hungry? Yeah. Uh, the reason I ask you that at the beginning of this new church year is because I think sometimes in our walk with God, in our relationship with God, in the way we view our Christian faith, we are sometimes like waffles. You know, you know what a waffle is. I mean, a waffle is that beautiful breakfast, but it's got those little compartments, those little squares. And sometimes I think we, we want to treat God kind of like that. We've got a compartment for God. We've got a little square of our life carved out for our relationship with God, for church, for religion, for prayer, for those kind of things. But we have other compartments for other areas of our lives, and we want God to stay in his. You know, God, you just stay in your compartment. And, and God, I've got a compartment for you, and I've got a compartment for my politics, and those are two different things. Or I've got a compartment for God, and I've got a compartment for my finances. Those are two separate things. Or I've got a compartment for God, and I've got a compartment for my sex life. Those are two different things. I've got a compartment for God, and I've got a compartment for how I uh, go to work and how I live out my life in my nine-to-five job. You, you get the point. Sometimes we compartmentalize our faith. And we have our Sunday morning thing, but it's detached from everything else. It's separated from everything else. But I don't believe that's why Jesus came. I don't believe that's why Jesus lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary and rose from the dead on the third day and promises forgiveness of sin and salvation for all who will believe in him. I don't believe he did all of that so that we could put him in a little box, in a little square, I think he came so that he could give us life and life more abundantly. He wants us to be more like spaghetti than waffles. You know, spaghetti is all in there together. It's all connected. Everything's touching everything else. It's all just one big bowl of spaghetti. And it's all connected. And I think that's the way we ought to view our relationship with God. Rather than compartmentalizing God... We ought to allow God's influence to permeate every aspect of our lives, every relationship of our lives, every decision of our lives. That we ought to get up every day conscious of the desire to glorify God today in everything that we do, in everything that we are. And I believe that is a life that honors God, a life that goes all in for God. A life that says, God, you don't have to just have part of me. You can have all of me. You see, the problem in my life is not that I need more of Jesus. Often where I struggle is I need to give more of myself to Jesus. I've got all of Jesus. He, he came into my life in totality. He lives in every single person who believes in him. But the problem is he doesn't always have all of me. That I'm holding out, I'm holding back, I'm, I'm putting up barriers from where God wants to be a part of my life. And I'm, I'm keeping God in a box. But he doesn't want to be there. He wants to permeate every aspect of our lives. And he deserves that. He's our God, he's our creator, he's our Lord, our Savior. He's our Redeemer, he's our friend. He wants to be a part of every aspect of our lives. He wants us to go all in to give him all of our lives, to commit everything to him. 
But sometimes we're afraid to go all in. Maybe we're afraid to go all in with God because we think that's just weird. Were you saying I need to become some kind of fanatic? Are you saying I need to become some kind of monk? Are you saying that I've got to get a full-time church job? Is that what it means to go all in for God? No, there's nothing weird about going all in for God. It's just saying, God, this is the life you've given me and I dedicate it to you. How do you want me to live this life? Sometimes I think we're afraid to go all in for God because we're afraid if we go all in for God, we'll miss out on a good life. We sometimes feel like that living for God means you can't have any fun, you can't enjoy life, that God's going to be a killjoy, that God's going to take away real living. But there are people in this room who would say, I've tried it the world's way. It promised me real life, and it let me down and disappointed me. But I've never regretted living for God. Never regretted dedicating my life to Him. So don't be afraid to go all in for God. And that's what we're talking about in this January series. We're talking about going all in for God. And I want to talk to you today about how to go all in for God. If you have your Bible, I want to take you to a great proverb. In the Old Testament book of Proverbs, if you want to look at it with your own eyes from your copy of God's Word, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, because this proverb teaches us how to go all in for God in our relationship with God. Now, for some of you, you're already followers of Jesus, and this will be helpful to you. But perhaps there's someone here today or someone watching today who for the first time in your life you realize you need a relationship with God through faith in Christ. And it's my prayer that today this message will inspire you as well to run to God. Here's how Solomon puts it in Proverbs 18 verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Why don't you read that out loud with me? Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Maybe your translation says the righteous person runs into it and is protected. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. If you want to go all in with God, let me give you three helpful ideas. First of all, go all in without doubt. Go all in without doubt. Proverbs 18.10 says, The Lord is, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. No doubt about it. It's not the name of the Lord might be or once in a while is. The wisest man to live says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, we know whenever we think about a name, we think about people's reputation. We think about their character. We think about the quality of their lives. We think about George Washington. I cannot tell a lie. We, we think about, uh, from my uh, childhood in the 80s, Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady, British Prime Minister. We, we think about Mother Teresa helping the poor and the outcast. We think about Billy Graham and a life of integrity, sharing the good news of Jesus all over the world. Names often come with reputations and characteristics. It's kind of like my name, which means Richard, powerful ruler. That makes sense, doesn't it? 
And so whenever the writer of Proverbs 18, verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, he's talking about the person of the Lord. He's talking about the characteristics of the Lord. He's talking about the attributes of God. He's talking about God himself. God is a strong tower. And whenever we think about the name of the Lord, we think about the strength of the Lord, the protection of the Lord, the salvation and the redemption that comes by knowing the Lord. And God has all kinds of names revealed to us in the scriptures. Not one name just can't uh, give us a perfect picture of the totality of the attributes and the character of God. In fact, the mind of man can never fully comprehend our God. But we think about Elohim, the Hebrew name for God, which means he is the creator God. That he created everything out of nothing. And it reminds us that whenever you feel like you have nothing, you've got God who can take nothing and he can bring something out of it. We, we've got a, a God who is Adonai. He is the Lord. He is the king. He's the sovereign. And he's a good king. Rather than making his subjects die for him, he's the king who died for his subjects. He's a good God. And of course, we've got the name Jesus, Emmanuel. God with us, giving us the glimpse of the grace of God, the mercy and loving kindness of God, the righteousness of God. And whenever we think about our God, we need to remember the name of the Lord is a strong tower, a strong fortified protection for us. When life threatens you, when the situations of your life crowd in on you, when the problems mount up and they seem bigger than you, when you feel weak and hopeless and helpless, you need to know the name of the Lord is a strong tower. He's on your side. And the more you come to him and the more you know him, the more you can rely on his protection. Any city of any size in the ancient days would be a walled city because those walls and towers and fortifications would provide protection for the inhabitants. Whenever attacks would come, the, the surrounding citizens would run to the fortified city, enter in through the gates, and there be safe. Maybe you've gone over to St. Augustine and you've walked around and walked on top of the Castillo de San Marco that uh, Spanish fort that was built hundreds of years ago to protect the city of St. Augustine. You, you've stood there at those 33-foot-high walls, those walls that are in some places 19 feet thick, made of coquino, that withstood many attacks. And you can almost imagine what it would have been like to have lived in St. Augustine during an attack, and you run to the fort... And while all hell breaks loose on the outside, you're safe on the inside. By the way, the name of our church, Fort Caroline Baptist Church, is, is a reminder that we're in an area where there was another fort. It was founded by the French Christians who came here seeking religious freedom, the French Huguenots. And we don't know exact locations, but somewhere in this area... In 1564, the first Protestant hymn in the New World was sung, and a 
Worship of thanksgiving was given by those Christians for their safe voyage and for their new home. Of course, a year later, the Spanish from St. Augustine came and wiped them all out, but that's another story. Um, But any city of any size would want to protect its inhabitants. And all the fortifications of man have flaws and have weak points and will outlive their usefulness. And yet, whenever you come to the Lord, it is not the Lord was a strong tower for a different generation, for a different time when when life was different. No, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And we've got to come to him without doubt that when we need him, he's there and he will supply all that we need. The good news about God is he doesn't want us to just run to him in bad times. He wants us to come to him in every time, good times and bad times, to live in his presence, to live surrounded by his protection, to live with his guidance and his direction. He wants us to come to him at all times knowing that he is our strong, strong tower. And as we think about this, we need to run to him without doubt. But also, go all in without delay. First, you go all in without doubt. He, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Secondly, go all in without delay. Back in Proverbs 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. I love that. He runs into it. In the book of Proverbs, it's a book of contrast. The book of Proverbs contrasts two ways of living. There's a foolish way to live your life. And there are many Proverbs that talk about foolish decisions we can make with our finances, with our relationships, with our families, with our marriages, with how we treat alcohol. There's foolish ways to live, and we're warned in many Proverbs about a foolish way of living. But then there are other Proverbs that contrast a better way to live, the wise way to live. And here the foolish way is to live your life apart from God. The wise way to live your life is to run to God. And I love it. The proverb says run. Does it say walk? Does it say jog? Does it say stroll? Does it say meander? Does it say skip? Does it say, as my granny would say, dilly-dally? I don't know how you dilly-dally, but sometimes you dilly-dally. And no, you run to the Lord. And whenever the righteous man runs into this tower, he is safe. When the righteous person runs, she's safe. Not only in good times and bad times, but all times. Run. I think the point is our relationship with God ought to be a priority that we pursue. That we ought to always be eager to be in the presence of God and to be conscious of needing God in our lives. But too often in my Christian life, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you've struggled with this as well in yours, I take God for granted. And I get comfortable. And I don't read my Bible as much as I used to. And I don't really come to worship with an anticipation to be in the presence of God. I actually come more as a critic. I don't like that song. It's too loud, too cold, parked too far away. And before I know it, church has not become me encountering the presence of God with other people. It's become a performance, a show, where I sit in the audience. Or I go out of the doors of the church, 
And I go into my daily life and I make decisions without ever asking God for guidance, for direction. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Or I try to solve problems on my own and I never say, God, I need you. And I can get comfortable until something goes wrong. But even then, God reminds us, make it a priority to pursue me, to run to me. I remember being out at the town center one day and I saw this guy wearing a t-shirt. And as I was standing in the line behind him, I was reading his (laughs) t-shirt. And his t-shirt said, I'm a bomb technician. If you see me running, try to keep up. (laughs) And surely he's not a bomb technician, but I got the point, you know, and I think sometimes we need reminders, don't we? That there are sometimes you need to run. There's sometimes you need to exert some energy. There's sometimes in life that you need to put forth an effort that is beyond the normal. And in my life, you know where I really need the most encouragement to put forth an effort beyond the normal? It's in my relationship with God. There's so much in my life that distracts me and pulls me away from him. I need some reminders that I need to run to him. I need to make my relationship with him a priority of my life that I pursue. I need to be as passionate about my relationship with God as I am about binging that new series on Netflix. That I just, oh, I can't miss the next one. Let's stay up a little later and watch the next one. When's the last time we were that passionate and that excited and that committed in our relationship with God, putting God first in our marriage, putting God first in leading our family as husbands and as fathers. When's the last time we were that passionate about putting God first in our finances or in our politics or in how we treat people who are different than us? We need to run to God with a passionate priority and urgency. And when we do, we find that He is a safe place. He provides protection for whatever we're facing, for whatever we need. He's able to provide for us. And he talks about the righteous person runs into this tower. You say, well, that disqualifies me. Well, that, that's, that's a point we need to clarify. The righteous person in the book of Proverbs is not a person who has it all together. The righteous person in the Bible is not the person who's perfect. There's only been one perfect person to ever walk this planet, and we crucified him. That was Jesus. No, when the Bible talks about righteous people, it's not talking about people who have earned a righteous standing before God through their own self-efforts and doing the right thing and never messing up and never sinning. When the Bible talks about righteous people, it's talking about people who know they're guilty and they need God. And when we come to God, he declares we're righteous, not based on our merit, but based on the merit of Jesus' perfect life. He gives us the gift and the credit of the righteous life of Jesus when we simply place our faith in him. And can I tell you who runs to the tower? It's those who know they're guilty, who know they're sinful, who know they don't have it all together, who know that they're not perfect, and they run to God, and God declares them righteous in his sight. So maybe you think you've messed up, you've gone too far from God to ever come back. That's not true. That's a lie of the devil. You cannot out God's grace. 
God's love, God's forgiveness. And you can be declared righteous in God's sight when you place your faith in him through Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And can I tell you, I I don't want to complain about all the problems of my life if I'm not first running to God with those problems. We often want to blame God. Why is it this going right in my life? And why is it that going right in my life? And why does God let this happen in the world? And all the while, we're not running to God. Don't complain if you're not running to Him. Independence and faith and obedience and worship and prayer. Don't complain to Him. But when you run, you'll discover He is the safety that you need. He's the protection that you need. In Fort Caroline, one of the reasons this community needs this church, now let me be more personal. I'm just going to be pure selfish right here. One of the reasons I need this church is I need constant reminders that there is a holy God who loves me, wants the best for me, and that created me and has a plan for my life and welcomes me with open arms And I need constant reminders. Ricky, run to him. Ricky, pursue him. Ricky, don't take him for granted. I need this church in my life. I need this church for my family. I've needed this church for my children because I don't want to be the only voice with my wife telling my children, run to God, pursue him with all that you've got. I need some other people chiming in and helping us say to our children, Pursue God. Run to Him. This community needs this church. They need this church as a daily reminder that there is a God in heaven who loves you and welcomes you and He wants you. Run to Him. Come to Him. At the beginning of this service, I met, I don't know, four or five people who were here for the very first time today. And... This doesn't bruise my ego at all, but do you know why they were here for the first time today? It was not to hear me preach. They're not in this service right now. They were being given a tour of our church because they were here for one of the needs-based solutions that we offer. One of the classes that we offer that helps people in practical ways from a biblical Christian standpoint. And they came to our church for the first time not because of me. Not because of the music. Not because of the name on the sign. They came because they knew they needed to pursue God in this particular area of their life. And there was a church here encouraging them. Aren't you grateful to be a part of a church like this? That's making a real difference in real people's lives. Pursue God without doubt. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Pursue God without delay. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. But let me close with giving you a third and final thought here. And that is go all in with God without self-dependence. That was the best I could do in keeping those D's. Doubt, delay, and self-dependence. You'll just have to figure out another one if you like. Go all in without self-dependence. Now, here's where I get that. I'm going to read another verse to you. Proverbs 18, verse 11, the very next verse. This proverb says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. There again, it's a contrast, isn't it? 
from verse 10. In verse 10, the proverb says, the name of the Lord is the strong tower. In verse 11, there's a contrast though. There are other people who think that they can depend on themselves. They don't need the Lord. They don't need his protection. They don't need his guidance. They don't need his influence in their lives. Well, they can call on God when they want him, but most of the time they don't need him. They're okay. They're doing okay. The example in verse 11 is a rich person. A rich person, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. A rich person can be lulled into believing that he is safe and secure from all life's alarms because he's got money in the bank, because he's got a good 401k, because he drives a nice car and lives in a good house in a nice gated community. But I can promise you, none of that can really protect you from the true danger of life, and that is a life without God. But in this man's mind, he has everything he needs. His wealth is his strong city, and in his imagination, his wealth is like a high wall. But that's as good as it gets. It's just a figment of his imagination. It doesn't provide real security. Jesus would later say in his earthly ministry, don't lay up treasures down here where moth can eat it. Where it can rust and decay. Or where thieves can break in and steal it. No, don't do that. But instead, lay up your treasures in heaven. Be rich towards God in faith. Because your faith in God is the only thing that will ever truly give you security and protection. I have stood by the bedside of many people as they were passing away. Many, many, many people. Some poor, some middle class, a few extremely wealthy. And never once have I heard anyone say, please, would someone in my dying moments, please just bring me my jewels. I want to see them one last time. Please, someone, could you print out my latest 401k statement? I would just like to take a look at that. Would you roll me through my mansion one more time? No, that's not what brings you security. What brings you security is the name of the Lord, knowing him. And in those moments with people, including my old father, they called out to God. And there was a peace that passed all understanding as they walked through a valley of the shadow of death. It's because they knew the Lord and had a relationship with him and didn't trust in the uncertainty of this world's riches. Now a tower in a fortified city is where you run when trouble comes. In verse 11, it's the wealthy man running to his wealth, but maybe for you it's something different. Where do you run when trouble comes? What do you use to medicate your pain? Maybe it's alcohol or drugs. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a new relationship that you think will solve all of your problems. But friend, none of those are true senses and sources of security. The only true source of security is the Lord. Run to Him. Amen. Run to Him. 
and you will be safe. I like to usually give you, Brother Adam Gray's here, he knows, I like to give you a bottom line for my sermon, just a a sentence that will give you the gist of what I'm trying to say to you today. And you know, folks, there's no way I could give you a better bottom line of this sermon than Solomon did. You want to know the bottom line? It's Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. That's the bottom line today. That's the truth that God brought you here today to hear. And now I'm going to ask you a question. What are you going to do about it? What's the next step you need to take in running to God this strong tower? The wise thing to do, the right thing to do is to run to him. Take that next step towards him that you need to take. For all of us, it'll be different. For those of us who already know Christ as Savior, maybe it's, it's one of the four G's that we talk about around our church. Gather. Do you need to say in this new year, I'm going to make it a priority in my life that I'm going to gather for worship with other believers on a regular basis? If I'm able to be with other people in Christ's name to worship him, I'm going to gather with them. Maybe that's where you need to take your next step. Make it a priority. Plan your schedule around worshiping God the first day of the week so that you can be ready for the rest of the week. Lead your family. We're going to gather in worship. Maybe for you the next step is to give. I'm going to give of myself in service. It's not about me. It's about loving God and loving others. And serving this world. So I'm going to find a practical way that I can help another person in the name of Christ. Maybe it's through this church and volunteering. Or maybe it's in your own community. Or maybe it's both. Gather, give, grow. Maybe that's your next step. You need to grow in your faith by learning more about God. By getting with other people like yourself. And studying the Bible in a practical way. Saying, what is God saying to us and how do we apply this to our lives? We have many small groups in our church where we try to help people get with others and grow in their faith. Maybe you need to be in one of those small groups. And then go. Maybe that's the next step you need to take. Go. You say, I'm ready, Pastor, to go. If you would just let me. No, what I mean is go on mission into your world, into your relationships with the good news of Jesus. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Are you living on mission every day, knowing your ultimate purpose in life is to glorify God and to tell others about him? Who do you need to be inviting to church? Who do you need to invite to sit with you next Sunday? Hey, join me. Come sit with me. Who do you need to sit down and tell your testimony of how God has changed your life when you placed your faith in Jesus? In fact, speaking of placing your faith in Jesus, maybe that's where you need to begin. That's where it all starts. I'm not giving you religion today. I could care less about religion. I'm giving you a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Religion is only as good as it can be if it points us to God in reality and it helps us love other people in sincerity. Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Let it be today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, I thank you for your word I thank you for reminding me and us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. 
They are protected. God, thank you for this great invitation to come into your presence. Not just on a Sunday morning in a worship service, but in every day of every life. We can run to you. And we thank you for that. Thank you for that privilege. Father, may that be a priority of our lives in this new year. And God, if there is someone here today who's never received Christ, I pray that right now in the stillness of this moment, they would just take you at your word where Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in the name of the son of God is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. So God, I pray that right now, in the stillness of this moment, wherever this person is, that right now they would say to you, God, I admit to you I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I put my faith and trust in him today and him alone to forgive me of my sin, to give me a right relationship with you, God, my Father in heaven. I believe he rose from the dead and he hears me now when I pray. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Help me now to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me know what your next step is.